Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the End of Sales podcast. I hope you're all keeping well. Who's listening? I'm delighted again to be joined by William today. He was on one of our previous shows. How are you, William? I'm very well, Stephen. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. I'm good to have you on again. And we also have a special guest. I'm Russell Boyce, someone who's a regular on A Selfie State of Mind, a podcast which is very much a favourite of mine. How are you, Russell? I'm very good, mate. Nice to be here, man. Thanks for having us on. Nice one. No worries, man. We're thrilled to have you. And also, congratulations on your new show with Kevin Graham, uh, Screamasalica. Am I saying that right? <laughs> yes, mate. I've been <laughs> uh, been blown away by the response, man. I think it's, it's had nearly 20,000 views, man, in the two episodes. Eh? It's crazy. So. Aye, and I know it's, I mean, the, the format's totally different, man, but aye, it's light-hearted, it's a wee bit different from the serious Celtic talk, so it's a nice wee release, so, no, thanks for mentioning that, man, nice one. No worries, well, buddy, I hope we reach 20,000 views in, in the near future, <laughs> right, but that's what we're trying to get anyway, but here's our brilliant show with some crack as well, but we'll crack on. Um, The first thing I want to bring up is the Celtic statement that actually got released when we were on our last time doing our podcast. I know there was one released today in terms of them working with multi-agencies, but before we get on to that, the statement they released was basically along the lines of, it's not our problem, we're not half of anything, one club since 1888. I have to admit, when it first came out and I seen it, a little bit of a child inside me was like, that's that's amazing, brilliant, we're finally coming back with a response. But it's been quickly pointed out to me that it's just probably another publicity stunt. And again, I heard the phrase today that tweets don't win titles, so to speak. And I mean, that's so true. Um, Russell, what was your opinion on, on that there statement? I think you've just nailed it. I think at first we all had this sort of giggle um, to ourselves and I think there was a hope, you know, more than an expectation that perhaps Celtics, you know, find that it's bollocks again. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you look a bit deeper and you start going, you know, season ticket renewals are on the way. Um, is it pandering to the masses? You know, where's this, where's this attitude been all season? You know, Celtic silence at times, you know, particularly over the last decade, has been deafening. You know, everything's, you know, just happy birthday you, happy birthday me, happy <laughs> birthday everyone, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, you, you, you're the devilish side to you, of course, you, you, you think, well, you know what, you're right, I'm glad you said that. But you do also have to look a wee bit deeper. And the, and the, the hashtag you're referring to, the tweets, tweets don't win titles, that was uh, Anthony Haggerty today, I think, on a Celtic state of mind, he said that, and uh, I mean, what a line that is, I mean, he, there's no wonder he's worked in the newspaper industry for 27 years, you know, with with tags like that, it was just fantastic, and it and it does nail it, I mean, let's not deflect from, from what this season's been, I mean, if it's nothing to do with us, then, you know, there's an argument to just not say anything, I think, obviously, that was sparked by... There was some there was some message from Rangers saying, you know, the the other half of the old firm or something derogatory. But I always prefer Celtic when they rise above all this shite. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know how you boys feel, but for me, uh, if Celtic is, you know, Celtic's own plane, like I like to think they are, man. Like, I, I just think, you know, it was funny at the time and I get it. It was a wee bit of cheap point scoring and, I, you know, it does make me smile and stuff, but... In the bigger picture of things, is it really? Is this the tip for tap we're going to end up with for the next decade? And if so, you know, expect to be sharing pl- plenty of league titles with that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100 correct, Russell. You nailed it as well. It's it's almost like they've left it too late, and they're just trying to scratch at the surface and see what they can come up with. And it's a, it's another thing to put out tweets and all these hashtag one club since 1888 and all that. But they weren't there the whole season. There was no. There was no backup to the fans. The fans were out in force trying to get cha- change within the club and yep. nothing's coming. But William, what was your take on, on that statement? Yeah, pretty similar to be honest with you, mate. Um I had a laugh. It was just it was just nice to see a response from Celtic for once, to be fair, rather than um sitting in silence, I think Russell said there that silence has been deafening for so long. Um it was nice just to hear a response, even if it was a, a quick whip. Um I was a bit more positive about the statement today. I know I said we've got to talk about that later on, but uh, yeah, yeah, still not enough. A wee quick whip and humour um, against that club is nah, not enough. I mean, it was referring to like obviously, if you're talking about that, you're talking about Douglas Park's statement that's was to the Scottish government and all the rest of it, and he's he's went on at length and we put out one, what is it, three sentences, two sentences, tweet in return. You know what I mean? It's. Uh, I want a bit more, a bit more than that. I mean, you look at it as well. We use his coaches. I'm, I'm led to believe to go to the football matches, and it's we're we're kind of funding his whole thing over over at the other side of the city. And there was a petition put out 
in terms of not using the coaches. Where would you stand on that, um, Russell? Would, is that just a petty thing, or is that something that we we would need to sort out going forward? I think again, it's, it comes down to the fact: do you want to be, you know, thinking all the time about, you know, perception of what the other side of the city think? And to be honest with you, if they're the best coaches and they've got it at the best price, we need to stop looking into all that too too deeply. For for me personally, anyway, I just think that, you know. It's a bust to get to the games. I mean, if that's the best deal that you can get, and I mean, let's be honest, Celtic needs six for certain away games these days. So if that's the, you know, if they've got a good deal with them that they can get six buses for away matches, then fantastic. I mean, would Rangers do the same if it was a Celtic chairman? Don't probably not. But I think that's what I'm a wee bit wary of: is every decision that we base now going to be based on what the other the other side's doing? And for me, this all kind of goes back a wee bit, you know, worrying about the, the coaches thing now. It goes back to when uh, the the attend, you know, the the ticket sales got dropped for the away games in the Glasgow Derby. Do you know what I mean? See when Rangers did that, and then we obviously went tip for tat. Um, I think then is when it, you know the wheels really came off of 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 reality because the fact is it's a better spectacle if there is you know a, a, a quarter of the stadium or whatever it, the percentage is of the other side. And once that tip for start started, then I believe that this will now be a never ending sort of a cycle. I think we're going to need to get used to this. It's going to be trying to get one over the other again, very much back to where we were. And I just feel that, you know, 10 years or nine years or whatever it's been, you know, of of dominance um, on our own plane, I think it's quite sad that we've been dragged back to this when really we should be focusing on trying to be an elite European club. And I mean that sincerely. I don't mean, you know, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals of the Champions League, but Celtic should be such an accomplished slick machine right now um, with the, you know, with a head start that was through no fault of our own, but the head start that we've been given, you know, to find ourselves now back in Twitter wars and all that sort of nonsense, guys. I just find that, you know, I find it quite, quite sad, quite tragic. No, I mean, you're 100% right. The whole advantage that we had over the last nine, ten years, we've let them catch up. And quite frankly, they've overtook us at the moment in terms of the way they're playing and how they're getting on within Europe, European spectacles as well. They're, they're getting far in the Europa League. I, I find it, I just find it quite, you know, going back to what you said about the ticket allocation, it was Dave King that started that uh, tit for tat within the, the two clubs and Celtic obviously reacted because they didn't want to look like the weaker club. But as, I think you're 100% right, Russell. If we continue to be dragged down with all these petty comments and the coaches, the petitions, and it's it's almost like we're gradually, slowly but surely, just coming right back down to where they want us. We should be miles ahead. And the Green Brigade put out fantastic banners over the last couple of years. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. And there was plenty of warnings. And it, it, it's just so annoying that this season has came to this. Before, before we move on to the, the new statement, any, any final say on that one, uh, William? Not really, to be honest with you. See, when you're saying that about the tit for tat stuff, um, here's a question for you. Then, see this the guard of honour nonsense. What happens there next Sunday? Do we do we give a guard? Because that's that's another one. Is this a tit for tat? They didn't do it a couple of years ago, or a year ago, whatever it was. Do we not do it, or do we do we follow that tradition yeah. and respect I, it, or you know what I mean? I think it's a great question, and I, I do another uh, sort of Celtic. I do a Celtic podcast with a Rangers fan, so it's like a it's called Spot the Divide, and it's sort of me and my mate, basically, one 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 side of each sort of debate. It is quite interesting, and we were actually talking about exactly that, William. Um, and we were, I said, you know, I've got no issue with what decisions Celtic make on it, as long as they don't make it based on the fact Rangers didn't a couple of years ago. Yeah. That's what I don't want to be the, the deciding factor. If Celtic can give, not that they need to give us reasons, as long as their reasoning within themselves isn't based on that, I'll be quite satisfied whatever way they go down. But the thought of it being based on antics of, of that club, it just then, you know, you can't sit and laugh at a club if you then just go and do the same things as them, you know, um, and say, oh, that's pathetic, but we'll need to do the same because they didn't do it. It just is, it's like you said, petty. I mean, I just, I worry about that side of it. In terms of whether they do it or not, I'm not particularly asked either way, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I just want it to be either way for a Celtic decision, not based on a Rangers decision two years ago. We need to be wary of uh, falling in that trap. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you pretty much got a spot on there. It, it's the guard of honor thing. Is, it's how would you describe it? It's more like a, a 
just a show, isn't it, for the TV cameras that someone's clapping the champions on the pitch, so to speak. And as as rightly pointed out, they didn't do it for us two years ago or whenever that was. And I think the decision needs to be took, as you said, Russell, not the petty way, but the correct way. So if they're going to do it, make sure it's just be the bigger team, stand up and do it. And if they're not going to do it, just just come out and say they're not going to do it, but not include what they didn't do it in terms of being petty. Me yes. personally, me personally, Russell and William, I think, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this, speaking to my grandfather and all, and we've, we've had debates about it, but I think on the one hand, they should do it, to show they're the bigger team. But again, if they do it, it's kind of showing them respect. And after the scenes we've seen at the weekend, it's pretty disgraceful. And all that government, the uh, statements were put out and then the media was so bad, especially where I'm from, and saying they're in their own bubbles, they're in their own cars where they're clearly not setting off fireworks and gathering in the public streets. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a 50-50 for me. I can't really make up my mind. Um, William, you asked the question. What, what's your response to it? Uh, I'm pretty similar to Russell, to be honest with you. I'm not really asked either way. I think maybe if they did do it, it would actually wind them up more than it would be a show of respect. Uh, like you say, uh, being being the bigger team and whatnot, but um, I honestly couldn't care either, either way. To be honest with you, I'm just more gutted that we've not shown the team we are this year, and uh, yeah, we've lost out to them. So either way, is not not sort what matters is what happens on the pitch afterwards, not not what what happens beforehand. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 correct. Well, we'll move on to this new statement today. It was actually John that, that made me aware of it. I I wasn't aware of it beforehand. It was just before we started recording. Basically. Celtic are working with loads of agencies to try and, try and get this game up and running on the 21st, the Glasgow Derby. Um, I don't know where you stand on it. It just seems to me that in the statement that we're saying the Scottish government has made it clear to them that no way is it associated the scenes the Celtic fans or the Celtic Football Club and on the weekend that was seen from the Rangers fans. But I, I don't know what you think about it, Russell. What's your, what's your opinion on this Derby game coming up? Do you think it's too risky or do you just think they should just fight fair with fair and play the game? Yeah, I mean, again, if you don't do it, are you pandering then to, you know, what occurred last weekend? You're pandering to that, you know. And I think as well, it's like, oh, well, they've won the title now. Now we'll make some tough decisions about postponing matches and things. And um, that could also reflect really quite badly. Um, the world's got to carry on uh, in every aspect, you know. And whatever they've done, that shouldn't stop this train stop, uh, from going, you know. I don't think that's right. Uh, for me, the game should go ahead. Um, I think it's, you know, a damning indictment on their behaviour last weekend. And I don't, I'm very, very much, by the way, not someone who goes into, you know, pointing the finger at, you know, what they get up to. But I think it's a damning indictment on them that Celtic are having to release statements like this, that the, the First Minister's talking about the game being in doubt, that we've now got fences all around, you know, way outside <laughs> the ground now. Um, and that is because there is... We're talking, I think, if we're, if we're being realistic here, and you look what got arranged last weekend, both days. The Saturday was nuts outside Ibrox, you know, the Sunday descended into madness at, you know, George Square and all that. I think that you've got to be honest and say there's a realistic, how do I say this? I don't want to say a realistic threat. That sounds, you know, just, you know, ridiculous. But there's a realistic chance that you that ground is going to be, Celtic Park's going to be descended on again. Um, like the like the two uh, places last weekend, and um, by these guys in the in the you know hundreds potentially thousands again, and for all that they were getting up to, I mean it's all red. It's just not utter nonsense. I mean some of them found the time to be outside Celtic Park last weekend as well when there wasn't even a game against us, um, which shows you who the bigger club is by the way. Uh, but also yeah. it also tells you though that if they're willing to go to those lengths last weekend, what they're going to be like on you know on Derby Day. There is a real risk with it, but I just don't feel we can pander to their, for want of a better word, pish. I just don't <laughs> think we can. I don't think we can pander to that, guys. I think, you know, we've got to keep the show on the road. Um, you know, for me, it's on a footballing sense, it's a great opportunity for us to, you know, end this, you know, fake invincible run or whatever you want to call it. Um, and also off the park, a message being sent that you know, whatever destruction you're wanting to cause or whatever, you know, rule Britannia message you're trying to send out here, it's not going to, it's not going to work. You don't rule the waves, you know, the, the world's moved on from all this, you know, prehistoric behaviour that's getting displayed. And I just hope, I hope the game goes ahead. Obviously, I don't want any bother. I don't want any trouble or anything like that. 
But if it is, let them make a fool of themselves. And, and, and I would like to take the opportunity whilst they're on a Celtic pod, knowing Celtic fans are listening, don't be drawn into this yeah. nonsense. Um, seriously, stay at home. You know, stick to the message that's, that's out there just now and all other aspects of life. And don't let a Glasgow derby, you know, twist your thoughts, infiltrate your head and make you put yourself in not only a health position from the pandemic side of things, but actually putting your, you know, your your physical being at risk, if you know what I mean, in case, you know, you know, we've all seen the firework footage and things like that. Do you really want to go down and be part of that? Um, and what stand is it you think you're making? Let them look like plonkers, you know, 100 yards away from the stadium behind the fence, you know, just, you know, just causing mayhem on the street. I mean, if that is what it does come to, I'm not saying it will, by the way, but if it does come to that, let's us just have the same message, all Celtic fans, and stay at home. I think it's the best way to deal with this, you know, win, lose or draw. Yeah, no, uh-huh. I mean, I, I think you've nailed that pretty well there, Russell. It's, it's for me, strip it way back and you look at the fencing that's put up around Celtic Park and yep. it's actually 100% right. It's, I think it's way down the bottom of the Celtic Way now. And uh-huh. no other clubs in the world has to do that to protect their stadium. I think that's a strong message that what they've done the weekend has major consequences going forward. And you, you also see as well, you see this, the mess they left in George Square. And what really annoyed me, Russell, I've spoken about uh-huh. it on the podcast, but what, what really annoyed me was the players were going the fans on, that went to the gates of Ibrox, the gates of their training ground. But if, if that was on the other foot, I, I, I just think that we'd be punished more. Sadly, would be punished. There'd be players told to self-isolate, like Chris Julian was coming back from Dubai, and... I, there's so many double standards going on at the minute. It's it's madness, and I was quite blinded, I have to admit, before Christmas. But after it, I've seen it all for all its glory, and the government and the media and the way they betray what's happened, and they deserve a party, they deserve this. It it just kind of ponders that it's okay they can do this, and there'll be no repercussions. There was thousands upon thousands of fans outside Ibrox, and they're threatening to go to Celtic Park. And I think you're 100 percent right. Celtic fans just stay at home. There is no point going down to, to fight or whatever you want to do to, to protest or just stay away let them wreck the place and let them foot the bill because at the end of the day they're going to look like the stupid ones they're celebrating their first ever title as a club we all know that we're, we're all pretty aware of that I think that's them I can't grasp that, grasp that message but William what's your opinion on the statement today? Um, I was quite pleased with the statement but just to go back on what you're, you're touching on there obviously the, the, the events that happened and scenes at the weekend for me Obviously, you can everybody can see that it was totally wrong what what was happening. But the the statements that's coming out of the the team across the city, Doug, Douglas Park's statement for me was just ridiculous. He was stating that the behaviour of our fans and our protests in December at Celtic Park effectively led to the police um, unwillingly being really able to deal with the situation at the weekend. Are you having a laugh? This is this is all their fault. Did they all sit in a boardroom and say, what, what, what can we say? Well, we'll just blame it on Celtic. I mean, they, they said beforehand that they, they held proactive discussions with the Scottish government and the police before in case the result went their way and that there would be title celebrations. I mean, it's all well and good being proactive beforehand, but it means nothing if it's not implemented should actions occur. And they did occur. And there was not, you've seen police taking selfies with, with fans and all sorts. I mean, I know it was to a point uncontrollable but try at least try and do something about it and then the mm-hmm. the statement as well with i mean they talked about the well, talked about the 55th title but the less said about that the better um they, they talked about i've got a quote here nevertheless it's been a great frustration for all football fans across the world not being able to watch their team within the stadiums especially for the loyal rangers season ticket holders who have stood by the football club through thick and thin through the last decade so does that make it all right to go out and and in the middle of a pandemic and, and break lockdown rules and and all sorts because the fans haven't been able to go to the football games. We're all in the same situation here. He, he referred also to Stephen Gerrard's video message. I've not seen it myself, but he, he, he apparently said in the message that the fans should be, if, all, if the results fall their way, um, adhering to the government guidelines and, and keeping their distance and, and all the rest of it. But I didn't see any of that when he was hanging out the window at Ibrox cheering the boys on and, and with bottles of beer and, and all sorts and at the training ground. I don't know if you've seen, you guys seen the images, but that doesn't seem like a guy that's 
that's telling his fans and, and, and keeping them in check and telling them to, to adhere to the, the guidelines. Also, videos, a video he took himself on, and put it on social media of him driving in into the stadium. I don't know if you've seen that as well. And there's obviously no guidelines being adhered to there. Um, it's just hypocrisy at the highest level for me. And I thought the statement today um, that Celtic put out, again, but at least saying something, I thought it was short to the point. Um, it points out the shortcomings of the team across the city without actually stating. Um, defending the club, praising the fans and support as well. Um, uh, there's a part in the statement that says um, we've, we've, when we won nine in a row and when we completed the quadruple treble, there was not any sort of um, celebrations uh, with the, of the like of of themselves in the city. So um, it, it just feels to me like they've grown a bit of a backbone. I know that the tweet was a bit humorous, but I felt like the statement today was a bit of a, wait a, wait a minute here. So I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, I mean, Russell, what's your take now? Did you have the same feeling? Did you think Celtic, the statement that they produced today was kind of one of kind of sticking up for the supporters again and giving more information in regards to what the previous statement was of free lines? Do you think that was a kind of a follow-up? I certainly think, yeah, I think it was the, the, the serious version of the tweet, wasn't it? I, um, I think it was the, the, the formal way to put it, so they're trying to obviously do both. At the end of the day, we've always wanted Celtic to try and defend Celtic more in the past. You know, this is what we've been yeah. crying out for. Um, so I think we need to give credit where it's due. I thought the statement wasn't overly long, not overly controversial either, which I didn't chase that controversy that I feel that every single one of their statements chases. You know, that it's got to have that hook in it that, uh, you know, panders to the, the numpties. You know, that they, they need to do that, that, that because they know... Their, their fan base are numpties, you know what I mean? So they need to pander to them. And that's the honest truth, whether you like it or not. They, they constantly deflect, deny. Um, you know, it was ironic. I mean, talking about statements, Rangers released one last week um, and I had two links to Stephen Gerrard talking as if this was proof we were taking this seriously. And in both of them, all he actually really says when you cut cut amongst all the, all the nonsense is... Keep your social distancing. <laughs> like he's basically he's basically inviting them down, but saying as long as you stand two meters apart, who cares? I mean, that, that there was no state. There's a clear message here: don't come down to the ground. It's not to be done. We're in a lockdown, and I think people are forgetting lockdown is not over as well. You know, um, I just feel that that Celtic somehow are sounding a lot smarter about the situation than what what what, what the other team are. Um, and to be honest with you, that wouldn't be difficult on the basis of the last week where they don't really acknowledge their responsibility for the nonsense. They set up GoFundMe pages as if, you know, if I come round, wreck your house and then send you 10 grand, you know what I mean, to get your living room fixed, that's sound. Um, it doesn't work like that, you know, it's, that's, not how, that's not how the world works. Um, I think there is, a, I think there is a, a change maybe happening at Celtic, but for me, it's too little, too late. Um, I have concerns, but we don't want to go into too much fat, like history and stuff. But the more you think about that five-way agreement and stuff, you know, back when they were when they were in formation as the you know the second Rangers in the in the forty-two clubs, um, yep. Celtic were in, jumped in bed with that. You know, unfortunately, Celtic wanted them actually parachuted into the Premier League. That's that goes without saying it. They did. Um, Celtic recently signing again the old firm. Uh, uh, deal, which I think there's two sides to though, of course, because obviously they were part of the old firm, and I think obviously they've got to sign the rights to that. I think you know people getting carried away with, oh, that means that you know they still subscribe to it. I'm maybe missing the point a bit. They're just not willing for the old firm rights to be getting dished yeah. out without them making any coin off it from all those years of history of it. That's just common business sense. Um, but I feel as though for all I was saying earlier on about us getting dragged into it. Celtic are obviously showing with that statement that maybe they're feeling it that why have we got dragged down to this bollocks again? You know, why are we back dealing with this? Let's let's move on again. Let's disassociate ourselves from this. And you know what? I've got to be totally honest. I think Peter Lawwell seriously needs to look in the mirror and take a lot of responsibility for the fact that this is all relevant to Celtic right now. These yeah. idiots in the street should have been over a League Cup win because it was the first trophy they'd ever won, you know what I mean? Or something, some diddy yes. cup like that. 
Do you know what I mean? And we yeah. have let we have let this become uh tit for tat, uh come see come sat, you know, like just uh why are we why are we now looking, you know, at, you know, at eye level with this mob again? Why did we let them back in when we didn't need to? And uh, do you know the worst thing about it is, and I know this might be a harsh truth, Rangers would never, ever, ever have given two fucks about letting us back in. Mm, I'm sorry no about way. my language, by the way. Oh, you're sorry all right. about no. my, uh, apologize for that. But that that's they they put the foot they put the sorry uh, uh, William they put the foot down. See when they see when the nineties I was growing up. We finished fourth. They signed Gaza. They did not care about what we were up to. And yet all we've done, and maybe the fans are guilty of it as well, is take too much pleasure in their demise. And we've took our eye off the ball, as you touched on earlier, fell asleep at the wheel, and now we're left with an ugly sister again. And that yeah. ugly sister should have been a fucking ugly, you know, adopted fucking, you know what I mean, orphan. You know what I mean? That's, that's what it should have been. I think for me, when you're see, just touching on that as well, if it was, like, for me, this season, I think Rangers were they were willing to go into administration again just to stop ten in a row. I think if it was the other way about, Celtic wouldn't have been have been uh, the same. The same, to be honest with you, and that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, t- touching upon that as well, I, I was sent the photo actually since they've come back into the SPFL. I think their total losses are over eighty million pounds over the last eight or so years, and there's no club I don't think. Apart out with the high financial leagues like the Premier League and the Bundesliga, they could cope with that financial loss. As you say, William, they're throwing everything they can to catch us, and then relying on, as you said, GoFundMe pages to get them through seasons. And, and touching, upon, yeah, touching upon what you were saying, Russell, yes, it's the Green Brigade warned them a couple of years back they're going to fall asleep at the wheel. They've done that, and the Celtic supporters have been focal. Don't take the foot off the gas, ram it down their throats, and yes, a hundred percent. They, they were our rivals, but it's not no more. Do you know what I mean? We should have been maize in front, and as you said, they should have been so far down the chain, we couldn't see them no more, but we've let them come back up, overtake us, and that's up to us to catch them, which is a total disgrace, and Peter Law should take a whole lot of responsibility for that. And he hasn't even tried to fix anything, any relationship with the fans, even though he announced he's retiring, but he still could come out, explain why things have went wrong so quick, but again, he's chosen to remain silent. And touched upon the scenes before we move on at Ibrox as well on the Saturday, it wouldn't surprise me if there was people up against the, the dressing room window looking in, taking videos and talking to the players. That, that's just the type of the scenes that were videoed and we all seen and we've seen fights as well. But we're going to switch this wee bit, guys. We're going to go to Celtic now. We did the government stuff, the political stuff, so we're going to go to a bit, a bit of Celtic talk. And I want to ask you, Russell, because I hear a lot of this on the podcast you're on a, a lot and it's really interesting to, to hear your views. Do you think with that tweet, not going back on it again, but do you think the charm offences has started with the Celtic fans? Do you think the board are trying to get the fans on side again? Let's be categorically clear here. Um, the tweet ain't going to cut the mustard, okay? Yeah. Um, what Celtic need to do now, especially after that draw at the weekend, you know, to lose you know, a decade of history. Okay, it was going to happen, right? We knew it was it was done by, you know, we knew it was done months ago. You, if, you, if you had your green tinted glasses taken off, you knew this this game was a bogey back in November, I think, you know, unless drastic change occurred. Now, scrambling about now to try and get, as you just rightfully said, a charm offensive on the go, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna work. What Celtic need to do now is show us the direction the football club is going in. Now, mm-hmm. that starts with an announcement, not a statement about we're not Rangers. Let's talk about where's Celtic going. Who's what's the plan here? I would love them. See if they can't announce a name yet. I would love them to tell us the plan is here's a timeline of events that we have. Uh, basically, the next month we're interviewing directors of football, all of all of whom, all the candidates of whom have certain prestige about them. Get us excited, you know. Talk them up a wee bit. Say the four guys in the shortlist that we're we're interviewing this month. No, we don't have an official name yet, but that is going to be the first uh, building block for next season. We've already announced the new CEO and then we're basically going to get our chief exec, whatever it is, and then we're going to go director of football. We are now down to the nitty gritty and fans should be excited about what that entails. And something like that to give us some sort of hope because I have got no faith they've got names uh, lined up yet. That's my honest opinion. Um, I, I hope I'm proven wrong, by the way. I hope that you know Saturday morning and the day before the Glasgow Derby we announce who the new director of football manager is going to be just to give us that jolt. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I think I think we're in desperate need now of direction. We're in desperate need of leadership. Um, and and just something that makes us go smack bang like Celtic are back. And I, I, I just I'm not convinced that I, I, I do you know what? I'm really disappointed the fact that we we don't have the conviction to do that because to be honest to you, I think they if we can see it as fans, they would have known last October, November, Lennon's going either way, right? Yeah. You know, if he might stumble us over the line, he'll go out in a blaze of glory because he was, in my opinion, he wouldn't have stayed anyway. Because uh, he, you know, the game was a bogey. It was going, it was going wrong, badly wrong. And I, I just think for them not to have been able to to give you these names yet suggests they probably don't have them, even still now, even even pre-booked for the summer, if you know what I mean, pre-appointed, and. I think that's what we're needing as a fan base if you want to get us on site for these season ticket renewals. I don't know what you think about that, but for me, we need some sort of announcement. And if it can't be an individual, let us in. Like, give us a wee bit of insight as to where we're at in this process. Let us know, because have you not also realised Celtic is just assumed by everyone are doing brand new uh, Peter Lowell replacement, Dominic Mackay. Then we're going to have a director of football and a head coach. How do we know this? Yeah. How do we know I mean, this? This seems to me... Uh, uh, sorry, on you go, on you go. No, but I was going to say, Russell, just touching upon your points, this seems to me as well, if, if we take a wee look down at England, Manchester appointed a, ter- a technical director and a director of football on Monday. It does come out in the news and they've done it. And Celtic are hemming and hand about what they're going to do. And you're 100% correct. There's been no confirmation of anything. Even when Lenny left, there's been, as we said in our previous podcast, they didn't come out and say they're looking at new managers or they're going to interview candidates. And we had the privilege of sitting down with David Webb during the week. And I tell you one thing, Russell, when it comes out on Sunday, mm-hmm. your mind mm-hmm. your mind will be blown. It was unbelievable. We, me and John literally wow. said to each other after the call that this guy should be at Celtic Park right now without Eddie Howe or with him. It's just his knowledge, the things that he was talking about from uh, how he identifies players and he's identified the likes of Wilfred Saha when he was just 10 years old. I mean, that's just an insight of what, what this guy is about. He knows how clubs work and he said himself that Celtic's a big worldwide club. It should be in Europe, should be competing. And he got Bournemouth up along with Eddie Howe on a budget of £4 million from League One to the Premier League and the majority of their players stayed. And you look at this and today we've just seen that Chris Wilder's leaving or meant to be leaving Sheffield United. Will, will that job appeal to Eddie Howe? If they approach him, will he go, yeah? Because Celtic does seem to be going, ah, I don't know what we're doing. We'll wait and see how John Kennedy does. I mean, William, what's your take on it? It seems to be the Celtic way, just pussyfooting around and then we end up coming to some sort of conclusion where, where nobody's happy. Um, I, I cannot agree more with what Russell's been saying. I, I don't understand why there's been no um, no comments, no statements, even like like he's saying, give us a short list. We've got five guys we're speaking to. John Kennedy's one of them. It, like, you know what I mean? It, like we, We've no idea what's going on. Not a scooby-doo. Just something for us to some hope to see what's happening in the future. We've no idea. We are, like, I'm I'm still gripping on the hope that Eddie Howe is the man to come in. And I, I've been like, I know I'm going to maybe touch on Mr. Webb later on, and I know you've spoke to him, but I've been reading up on him as well. And it, it, like that sort of stuff excites me. There's not one other man on that shortlist. I say shortlist. This is a bookie shortlist. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing from Celtic at all. This is a bookie shortlist made up from God knows what, what rumours and. I think Wilder Wilder's now the favourite for yeah. for the job just because he's walked out in Sheffield. I don't know where that's coming from. Everybody's clueless. Nobody has an app. Nobody has a Scooby Doo. What's going on? Just just release some sort of statement, some sort of hope. Like Russell's saying, give us something to cling on to. Especially, and he's saying he's bang on as well with a four a four the game in, in a fortnight's time or next Sunday. That would be a yeah. massive boost. Announce something. Announce announce something and massive boost for us to then go forward. I don't know why we're not getting somebody in right now, from now until the end of the season, to have a look at this squad and decide what he wants to do because we've touched on it in other podcasts, uh, Stephen. There's, it's a massive turnover. There's going to be a lot of outgoings, a lot of incomings. Why not get somebody in right now to have a look at the state of this squad and see what he wants to do with it? But William, William, if they don't know, they can't do that. And, and don't true. get me wrong, you're 100% right, by the way. But... It, if you know our biggest fears are there and they still don't have anything lined up, you know that's the worry. And that's true. For Russell. me, this has been months. You know, 
and uh, to be fair, see, see for me, and, and I don't know if you listen to other podcasts, but, um, Eddie Howe for me is the, the one man you've got to go all out for. Everybody else on that shortlist, I'm I'm absolutely terrified. I don't see a future with any of them. Not one of them excites me. So you might be right. They might have went after Howe, and Howe said, no, not for me. And then they're thinking, shit, where do we go for here? Where do we go for here? I'd see just to touch on the how thing, right? And I appreciate what you're saying, by the way. I think he'd be an unbelievable appointment for the club. I think he's very much of the Brendan Rogers school. I think he'd bring a sense of calm, unity. I think he'd have everyone on side. I think he's the type of guy who'd be best pals of the kit man to the dinner ladies. You know, I think he's someone who's got that personal touch that can Rogers used to always talk about a holy trinity, William, you know? Yeah. And 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 that holy trinity is what is required to come back. We need fans board, staff, players, everyone on side again. I think Howe has the ability to do that, but just to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. we get Howe in the summer. Now, you tell me, why was he not there in November? Why yeah. have we lost 10 in a row when he's been unemployed all season? I think there would be a, a, you know, a real sense of frustration at that appointment as well. Um, do you know... Do, Obviously exciting for the future, but it had it would be tempered with a lot of frustration at the the open goal that's been made. all season. He's been unemployed, all season we've been dreadful. The things go hand in hand, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100 percent right, Russell. We'll probably never know why it took so long or what was the, the negotiation that was going on with Lennon during the season because I'm pretty sure they must have had talks and it was confirmed to happen. But it does seem to be a quick Skype call. That's it, bing, bang, boom, you're still in the job, win these next five games, we'll keep you on for four more years. That's, that's the way it looked. And the, a, a, a part of it as well, Russell, for me, John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan should have went as well. I mean, Gavin Strachan offers nothing. I, I look at him in the dugout and he, he's just a glorified IT man. That's what he looks like to me. And John Kennedy, yes, he's worked under Rogers, uh, Ronnie Dahlia, stretching back to Lenny when he first came in and Lenny on his second stint. But he offers nothing. If he was trusted, he would have been given the caretaker role when Rogers left. And you look, you look at the the game against Dundee United. It was just basically a, a Nathan and two point I said that on Twitter as well. But it, that's what it seemed like to me. He was bringing off Turnbull, leaving Brown on the pitch when it was clear Brown's legs have went, and he's bringing on Rodgers, who offers nothing going back. And you're going, why is he doing what the Celtic fans hated towards the end? It was the same old, same old, and free strikers on the bench. And, do, do you think John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan at the end of the season, Russell, does have to go as well? For me, I think the one thing you need to remember is, right, and 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 I think whoever, say we'd got in another interim manager in the style that we got Neil Lennon a couple of years ago, I think the fresh voice, even if they played that same system against Dundee United, right, and made the same subs at the same time, I just think it being a fresh voice is what the players are desperately, desperately needing. Now, Kennedy talks very well, and I love the fact he did what he did with the Celtic pods last week. I thought it was outstanding and refreshing to see. Again, if you're the cynic, you could say, you know, the cynic in you says, you know, this is a charm offensive for season ticket renewals. But that aside, that aside, John Kennedy is part of the problem as much as he was part of the success when we were good. He's been part of the problem this year. His message is never going to get through like a new voice coming in. Even if they were telling them to do the same thing, it's just that freshness. Players need it. Uh, we all know this. Football works in cycles. John Kennedy's cycle at Celtic, unfortunately, is over. As for the Gavin Strachan thing, um, see, for me, I think he's unfairly polarised for the whole tablet or, or laptop thing. I think it's quite common practice at big clubs, to be honest with you, that someone uses that. It's the fact that he's part of an unsuccessful management team. Does he have a place there next season? No, he doesn't. Because none of them should. Because Celtic need to get back to getting a manager in who picks his own backroom team. And for me, we didn't have Neil Lennon in charge at Celtic when he took that job a couple of years ago. We got Neil Lennon light. And that's yeah. what happened. When he accepted that, that is not the Neil Lennon I had on the back of my shirt. And I did have his name in the back of my shirt, by the way. I loved him. And yeah. that's not the manager that was there the first time round. How cocky, you know just promoted from the you know the reserves or the whatever it was under 21s to going right I want the old boys you know I want Thompson Mialbe Gary Parker all in he had yeah. no right to make those you know those decisions if ever there was going to be a time he didn't pick his background team 
it would have been when he was the novice back then. And now, yeah, it's this time when he's a far more experienced manager. He took the job because he knew he would never get a chance at a big club again. That's And that is damning on him that he went in there knowing he wasn't the full Neil Lennon he, he, he needed to be. And I'm not saying it needed to be those three guys that he brought back. But when the club's going above you, you know, to prevent Tommy Johnson coming in and stuff, you know, it's yeah. what are you why, why are you putting up with this, mate? You know, and I get his frustrations at times with all that, but at the end of the day, you you did the deal with the devil, Neil, because you knew it was the only hope you had to get that job, and it's cost Celtic big time. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. Just to touch on that as well, I, I I totally agree. It seems to me the Neil in this time round was totally different to the first one we had, and it, it was a yes man in my opinion, just, mm-hmm. you said he's walked into a job, he's, he's a yes man. Okay, Neil, okay, Neil Mr. Lennon Desmond. Light. Neil Sorry, Lennon Light. Neil Lennon Light. Yeah, 100%. That's what it was. No problem, no problem, Mr. Desmond. No problem, no problem, Mr. Lowell. No, wait a minute, where's the Neil Lennon said, wait a minute, this is what I need, this is what I want. That's not what we had this time round. It was, uh, I'm thankful to be in this position. I'm just totally. going to be, I'm going to be the yes man this time round, in my opinion. Yeah, no, yeah, I, think you're, I think you're so right. I just want to quickly, just before you come in, I just want to touch on, that doesn't work at football clubs. The reason that Martin O'Neill and Brendan Rodgers, and Strachan to an extent, but I mean, if you look at Rodgers and O'Neill, the reason they had the identity with the fans and success in the pitch is because they were willing to push back at the, the guys above them. They demanded every penny off them, every ounce of blood, sweat, tears off the board above them. And we are, we didn't get that with a guy who's grateful to be in the job. I want the next manager to come in and go, I know I'm good enough for this job. We need to get back to being a wee yeah. bit bullish, a wee bit cocky again. I Getting think, back to being Celtic. I think we've yeah. seen that with Rodgers. I think his demise at the end was obviously the publicised Fed deal. And he's sitting in a press conference saying, I know nothing about this boy. I think that was the beginning of the end. He's sitting going, wait a minute here, I'm not calling the shots. That... As much as this is a club I love, if I'm not here, if I'm not here to do the job that I'm I'm capable of doing, then I'm off. Yeah, yeah they, moved the they moved the goalposts. They moved the goalposts on yeah. Rogers. Um, and there's no two ways about that. And you know, it's easy to do revisionism and stuff like that. And I think when we look back, I think you know, Rogers actually publicly kind of was quite damning in what his opinion was of the board. There was a couple, you know, the Terminado comment. There was yeah. the uh, there was the the obviously the one as well about uh, Schwed as you rightfully point out and you know you're looking at a guy who's going I'm dropping hints here guys I'm trying to I'm trying to in a way let the fans know I'm I ain't happy and that's shocking because it had worked an invincible season two Champions Leagues in a row funnily enough we move the goalposts we start trying to meddle and take responsibility off his shoulders and guess what we failed the Champions League and we're only eight points ahead when he left. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, th- I think as well, Russell, uh, Rogers actually made a point in a, in a press conference uh, as Leicester City manager a few weeks back saying the next appointment's key because he needs, he, needs, he needs the autonomy to make the full decisions. Again, that's pointing out that Sad. he didn't have it yeah, towards the end of his tenure. And uh, another thing that po- comes to me as well, when you speak about the whole Champions League side of things, if, if you look at it as well, Rogers extended the Champions League. Yeah, we get a few stuffings, but that, that, that's going to come when you're playing likes of PSG, etc., but as soon as Celtic see a wee bit of success, it's almost like Lowell can't help himself. He wants in that. He wants to make all the decisions, make the key decisions. But it's like, why do that when, what's the, what's the term? Don't fix something that's not broken. Let it be. Let it keep happening. And who knows? Rogers might have stayed. And you look at it as well. One of the signings he, he tried to go for, Castagna, the right back. That was one of first, his first signings at Leicester. And touching upon the Tommy Johnson thing, Russell, as well. I'm glad you said that. I think the rebuild for me should go the whole way back to Nicky Hammond. He should be gone. Is is that the type of opinion you hold? Um, again, I just want the right guys in the job, and if the director of football is now going to be instead of a, a you know a total control manager that's going to make these decisions, fine. We pay these guys money to trust their judgment, not for someone above them to go. Well, I kind of trust your judgment, but I actually think differently. That's got to stop. We need to have guys in there that we are paying healthy salaries to that we have total conviction in their decision-making ability. That has to be the case. Guys need to be left, uh, Stephen, to do their job. They need yeah. to be left to do their job. And we don't need anyone. I don't want 
Dominic Mackay in the headlines. I don't want to see Dominic Mackay smugly swanning about when we're doing well and doing silly remarks about hiring managers in the showers and completely belittling everything, you know, that, that, that uh, this professional club he claims he's, he's created um, is about, you know, it was a complete contradiction, all that nonsense. We really, if we do want to be a future, you know, a club that can compete in Europe, and I know people make the Ajax, you know, comparison. I look at more like, you know, a Salzburg, an FC Ball, things like that. You know, I think they're more, in fact, they're not even more comparable. We should be bigger than them, but they're the, they're the stepping stone we need to be looking at. And I just want, if it's David Webb, if it's, you know, Fergal Sharkey, whatever his name is, I don't care uh, who the director of football is, as long as they're trusted to do their job and bring in the right management team and then know that they'll work in tandem together and the only time they're then going to the board is to say, we've got X amount of cash, I need X amount of, or, or you know, Y amount of that, to get go get this player, me and the manager in a complete agreement, he is the answer for that role. Let's yeah. just get back to that and get football guys making football decisions. Yeah, no, I mean, that's 100%. Russell, when we spoke to David Webb, he, he's so approachable. I mean, the first thing that struck, he, he just took time to go, go through everything he'd done in his career. He's worked with loads of clubs. He's worked with uh-huh. Pazzettino uh-huh. He's worked with Eddie Howe. He's worked with Bayer Leverkusen as well. So he has plenty of experience. And the way he was saying the things... What he does, he's been a technical director, a chief scout, a director of football, most recently with Huddersfield Town. But he was saying that in the background, he would be dealing with the player identification. And I asked him the question, does the manager get the final say? And he said yes, because the manager gives him the remit and he goes and tries to find these players once they get through all the stages, physical, mental, that type of thing. So it shouldn't be that hard for Celtic as a supposedly elite club that we all wanted to be, a Champions League club to find these people and put them in place. Now, we've all said Eddie Howe, we've said David Webb, it's Fergal Harkin, and it doesn't even have to be them, as long as it's someone with a, a bit of ambition, totally. a bit of a bit of clout in the game. And as rumours are, are to be served as well, and there, there's meant to be a, a Twitter page going around saying that the, the manager hasn't even been mentioned yet by bookies or even by Celtic fans. So, but we, we just don't know. It's, it's just a lack of clarity that we always go back to. But see, moving on from that, on, just to touch upon the rebuild before, before we move on, I seen last night just before I went to sleep that um, Stephen Glass has been linked with the Aberdeen job since Derek McInnes left and he's supposedly going to ask Scott Brown to join him as a player coach or a player assistant I'll throw it to you William do you think that's something that's viable or do you think that's just paper talk I can't see that happening to be honest with you um, I would give him another year's deal I know he's I know he's doing his coaching badges and all sorts and I, I hear that he's, he's, he's fantastic with the young uh with the youth and he's always going to the youth games or or he was at least before all the pandemic stuff and that stuff stuff happened happened i can't see him going anywhere i i, I see him maybe getting another year maybe not playing as much a part um maybe another year and then he'll, he'll slip into the coaching staff at celtic and in, in my opinion i don't see that happening what about you what about you russell where do you stand on the whole scott brown thing um i think celtic are a stronger unit um, which is going to be more important than ever. I think actually Scott Brown's relevance and importance is now probably when it, in a summary thought they might actually just not renew my contract. I think it's now more imperative than ever that this guy is now the the go to man all over again that he was for Rogers. Remember Rogers? Um, I don't know if it, it flew him down. Sounds a bit dramatic, but like he, he met him in London for dinner anyway before he took the job. Rogers. And basically outlined that Scott Brown to Scott Brown, you know what the vision is. You're not finished. You're going to be my main man in midfield. You're my captain. I need you to be this type of guy. I need you, and I feel that he's still the one I would look to to do that for the any incoming manager um, more than ever. I actually think I know you were saying about the legs. When I actually think Scott Brown's played better in the past couple of months than he has so in the past eighteen months. Yeah, so um, I think he's done. Uh, I think he gets it. Now, I know it can sound quite petty in Scottish football, the whole, uh, what, who cares about getting it? You need to, you, know, you know, it's all about ability. Celtic have signed too many stepping stone players and, by the way, sold the club to these players as a stepping stone. Too often, too many players that's been proven with this year. We need guys like Brown for when they come in, yeah, you think this is a stepping stone? Forget it. This is the biggest club you'll ever play for. I'm going to show you why over the next few days. And he just 
trains alongside them in their ear all the time, inspires them, gets them that Celtic bug. Because I'll tell you what, I know we don't want to talk about the other side of the city all the time, right? But I've said this a few times now, and I stand by it, and it's proven true. They've signed so many players that are playing for the biggest club they'll ever play for. We've signed so many players that we've told to go into a bigger club. That is, yeah. that is completely screwed us, you know. But it's all about, okay, they might go to play for a better club, but don't sell Celtic on that basis. Sell Celtic on how big Celtic is. You know, could you imagine, you, you can't, I know it sounds crap, but you can't imagine Gerard said to Kimar Roof or whoever else it was, oh, come here and I'll get you a move in a year. He's going, come here, this is where I am. Yeah. You just got, you're coming, you're going to stay here. We're going to win things, we're going to do things together. It's too many Celtic players have been signed going, oh, by the way, in two years, by the way, you'll be off ski, you'll treble your wages, look at Van Dyke, look at Wanyama, look at Forster. You know, too much of that's went on. And for me, Scott Brown is a positive influence that way. There's probably been a bit drowned in the amount of now, you know, guys that don't get it in there. But I think he's an asset to whatever manager comes in and trying to push what Celtic is to them. Get them on the hook. Get them buying in. And, and you know, it's so funny because that's what Neil Lennon did so well in his first spell. He made Joe Ledley's favourite club Celtic, Kyle's favourite club Celtic, you know, Wanyama's favourite club Celtic, Cooper's. It, it was not just that they played for Celtic. All of those guys, right? And we all know they were top players, by the way. But all of their... I bet you if you asked them who they support, they'd say, they'd say Celtic. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're lacking right now. Do, do, I don't know what you think of that. Yeah, 100%. But see, for me, Brown... Brown's a nine-in-a-row winning captain. He's been here forever. It seems like forever. There should be a statue of him built outside that stadium when he retires. So for me, even if his legs do go next year, I think you're right, Russell. It's imperative we do sign him on for that voice in the dressing room. We've, as we've said this year, for the, the club's been lacking leadership so much. He's that one voice and that one leader that we that we actually do have in the dressing room. Could yeah, I mean... More. The, the way I look at it, I, I totally get what you're saying. Scott Brown, 100%, nine-year-old captain. He's been there for a lifetime and he's made over 600 appearances for the club. The only reason why I said about the whole legs thing was because you look at bringing Turnbull off, I would have kept him on the pitch against Dundee United. I would Personally, I would have took Scott Brown off and threw on another attacking player. I mean, what have you got to lose in that situation? Scott Brown, to me, his yeah, next fan... That. that's fair. That's fair. Sorry. No, no, it's no, no. I totally get where you're coming from, Russell. 100. He has been playing well, but at the same time, it's something the likes of Sorrow. Sorrow came in and did brilliant, and he's just been dropped, and he's not been in the squad again, well, or in the team. He's been on the sub bench. But the, the way I look at it, the next fencer for Scott Brown is a coaching role, and I do hope that's with Celtic. I really do. And as you said, when you go back to Neil Lennon's first time in charge, the likes of Biram Kyle, the the likes of. Joe Ledley, Victor Wanyama, Gary Hooper. I mean, Gary Hooper was signed from Scunthorpe, to, yeah, and he came up yeah. and he, he was fantastic. And one goal sticks to mind when he, when he totally turned Davy Weir inside out and left him for dust and banged it in the back of the net against them. It's it's same type of players that you bring up and they give the raw. And I think it's totally right for you to point out that Gerrard's kind of done that. He, he sold the fact that the Rangers are going to be the biggest club they're going to play for. I mean, Roof was at Anderlecht, and I think uh, Rangers is a step up from them, and the likes of Joe Rebo from Chartland, that these players are being picked from the, the English lower leagues, and they know they're not going to go nowhere else, and I think that's vitally important going forward to get the recruit, recruitment correct, which is almost why this season's been quite a bit of a damn squid, because you look at the likes of Shane Duffy, we were all excited when we, we get these players in, and that transfer window was spent in excess yep. of 20 million, 20 million pounds, but do you, Russell, going forward, before we move on to the final part of the, the, the show, going forward, do you think the recruitment needs to be more experienced players instead of project players? Um, I'm not necessarily convinced of, of, of whether it's about age or experience. I think it's about a manager identifying his top target and getting his top target. I'm sick of examples. I mean, if, if I say John McGinn, you're going to roll your eyes. It's just such a glaring one. Um. The one that really gets me this season is Ivan Tony. Now, Stephen McGowan, Daily Mail, everyone knows, is the go-to guy for Celtic scoops, right? There is no, no two, two ways about that, right? When he says something about Celtic, trust me, it's done, right? Yeah. And he confirmed two weeks ago, Ivan Tony was in Celtic Parks building. He was there, mate. Ivan Tony's yeah. the top scorer in the championship now with a price tag in his head of around 25, 30 million. If that was the number one target, 
then why didn't we get him? And if anyone tells me, I yet he was actually ahead of him in the queue, who'd made nine appearances for West Ham, I think all all nine of them as substitutes, then you're you're off your head. It's quite clear, and I feel sorry again for Lennon in that instance. He's identified someone, he's had them in the building, and we've played chess or whatever you want to call it, you know, for for buttons. We're talking about buttons here, you know? Like, oh, we're haggling over over little wins. And Peter Lowell liked little wins. This nonsense has to stop. I don't think we need to go down the road of going, oh, they need to be more experienced or less experienced. I just want to sign the top four guys on the list that the manager wants. And see if we don't sign them, I want us to tell the manager we did literally everything we could. We didn't haggle yeah. about, you know, nonsense figures. And it's the same when it goes to appointing the manager. I know I'm going off on a tangent here. Sorry, I know we've ran on for ages, but... You know, I want Celtic to go, do you know what? This is the manager we've got. But we, I want them to be able to look themselves in the mirror because they can't disclose it, I suppose. But I want them to know they looked in the mirror and went, we had, you know, Roberto Martinez. Let's say Roberto Martinez for argument's sake. We, we made the call. We actually yeah. pitched a vision to him and he turned it down. Fair yeah. dues. On to the next one. But if I yeah. think, you know, this middle road player, middle road manager sort of saying, that's what's costing us. And and I also want Celtic stepping stone FC to stop as well. We need yes. to start believing in ourselves a bit more. And when clubs, when players like even if it is Edward from PSG, mate, you were at two lose on loan the year before and you scored three goals. You're lucky yeah. to be a Celtic. You're lucky yeah. to be a Celtic. Well, why does no one think like that? Why is that not getting? Why is it not getting uh, pushed like that? The narrative. There's an inevitability that anyone that plays well for Celtic for 12 months to 18 months is being sold. And what club are they going to? I've not heard of any Rangers player this year getting uh, uh, linked with moves away, by the way. None. None. I, I, I think you're 100% right. I mean, before I move on, I, I think I give my vision to you and you call me a copy and paste job. I, I laugh so much at that when you text me up back. It was funny. But um, in, in, terms of the, in terms of the whole, as, as you said, the players, look at Frimpong. I mean, the first whiff of a move, he wants to leave. And Lenny said that was happening for, for weeks and weeks behind the scenes. And you almost look at the players like Ryan Christie. As I said before, his head is huge. He thinks he's like the Messi of the SPFL. And you're going to yourself, you're not, you're just another average player, but sometimes you can have good games like every other player. And I think it's, it's you're 100% right. They need the same players that want to be at Celtic and not looking for that next step. The stepping stone thing does my head in. And the whole fact that the English Premier League, in fact, they can pinch our players for buttons, which quite ironically, we tried with John McGinn and lost him. So uh, it, 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 it works both on, by the way. Yeah, it, it works both ways, Russell, in my opinion. But William, think, what's your what's your I opinion on this? I think the thing is, right, see see all these players we're, we're discussing that, that I have used this as a stepping stone. How many of them have went on to be successful or fairly successful? Not... I can only count you know, one hand, maybe. Like Van Dyke or if you see for me, Gary Hooper was one of the best strikers I've seen at Parkhead. Yep. Um what's he done since he left? He could have he could have been an absolute icon, won countless, countless trophies, played in Champions Leagues. And what did he do? He went to Norwich and he wasn't great but, and he's, but, he's went down and down, down leagues. William, right, just to just to be clear on what I'm what what says. I get your point there, right? But see what I'm saying about the stepping stone thing is how many of these guys are still within that squad right now that have cost us 10 in a row? No, no. That's, I, I, that's more my point I, on it. No, because... no, I 100% agree. But what I'm saying is the ego, the ego of some of these players that think they can go on and go on to bigger and better things when it's when it's it's not. It's not plausible. And this club is massive. It's yep. massive. See the amount of players that go on. Look at, look at, um, look at Mr. Dembele now. Still tweets every other week about the club. That shows you what the fan base is like and what this club means to, to these players when they come here. He was here for a few years now. It's massive. Look at Samaras and like all these people go away and you, you rightly say Kyle and I think Cross Crossass is a perfect example. He wasn't here very long, wasn't he? He's an absolute avid boy, isn't he? He's, he loves the hoops. What, I don't understand why these players. Treat this club like a, you mentioned the, uh, the Tony Ayeti thing. I could not agree more. Why are we not going out and getting Tony? And then to fall back on that, the Ayeti deal uh, was strung out for, I don't know if you remember, strung out for weeks and weeks and weeks. And there was rumours he was saying that, oh, he's wanting to listen to 
other clubs, there's other clubs interested in the Premier League and all the rest of that. See if that's the case. Excuse my French, but fuck off then. If you don't want, if you don't, <laughs> you don't want to come and play for this club, then don't come and play for this club. It's fine. Away you go. Um, why, why are we, why are we just sufficing at these? These players and, and treating it uh, we are a stepping stone. We are not a stepping stone. We are a massive, massive club. I don't understand why these players want to go away and play with Southampton and Norwich and all the rest of them. But when... William, William, are we selling it as that though? That's where well, my that's... concern is. I think Celtic are selling it as as this stepping stone message. I think it stems from the club. I think the players are joining on that basis, mate. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair point, mate. Fair point. I mean, as you said, Russell, it's Celtic selling. Like it's, it's like an act of desperation to get players through the door just to say, come on in, you can move in two years. There'll be no but, hassle with it. But I it's, guarantee it's, you with, a, with a Brendan Rodgers in charge, he's not saying that to players. 100%. Mate, 100%. But yeah. I, I, we need to move away from that nonsense. you know. And as I say, I want us to be getting guys that come in and go, do you know what? Even if there is a bigger move on the horizon... And, I'll tell you one example of that is Chris Ayer. Chris Ayer this season, he was like AC Milan a year ago. No one's took this season more seriously than him. Yeah, and the yeah. shows will all, all be taking a leaf out of his bloody boot. You know that because he cares. He was the only one, to be honest with you, at the end of the Dundee United game. When I, not that you could see every player, but when they were trudging off, he was the one I kind of looked like. His guts maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's turned on a wee bit, you know. They're... The rest just look dazed and confused. That's you know, been like, a problem this year. There's no heart. There's no. There's no desire. There's no. Like you say, Ayers. Brown's obviously still got it there. He's still got the fight desire. But there's that's what's been lacking so much this year. It is unbelievable. But by the way, and obviously Big Edward, Big Eddie's the the, the best player in the league by a mile on his day. Agreed. Never ever ever looks interested. And in the last few weeks or months. I, I just he's whole demeanor, and I know he's that sort of player. He's he's that Berbatov type, where it's mm. it's kind of lackadaisical. He's he's like Federer on a tennis court. It just kind of comes naturally, and he doesn't look interested. He does not look interested in the slightest. You talk about Christie's head stunned. For me, Eddie's already gone. He's already on a flight. He's no he doesn't give a toss what's going on here at, at the moment. Yeah, William, I think that's a brilliant point. I just just very quickly, I think uh, the way Eddie's. Uh, actual style of play at times, you know, some of the things he's trying to come off with, that's not a guy desperate to get three points, you know, you're going to come on. Like, maybe yeah. when we're, we're four nil up, you know, sometimes you do watch, you go, Jesus, that looks good, that looks good to watch, like, but how often does it come off and at times I feel, is that really what Henrik would have done when and he I knew think... it was at stake? Henrik had every single bit, by the way, of Edward's ability. Henrik could have done yes. all these flicks over the head, back heel passes, anytime he wants. But sometimes there's a job to get done first. And I suppose yeah. if your head's not in Celtic, then you don't prioritise getting the three points. You prioritise just playing football the way you want to. And yeah. that's sad. Yeah, and I think yeah. Steve, I think Stephen touched on it before. I think John Kennedy had an interview where he said um, he, he talked about individuals playing as individuals rather than collectively as a team. And it's bang on right now. We are a team full of individuals it looks like they're trying to put themselves in the market, and we're not we're not playing as a team, which is yeah. strange because that's never that's never been the case under Lennon, never been I, the case. I, th- I think as well, just the end of this segment of the show, what we're trying to say is get the heart, get the passion, get the right players in, and to the players who'd want to be there, as you said, fuck away off. I mean, yep. simple, yeah. play with friends, leave Celtic. We don't want to if you don't want to be there. Just just leave and go. Get the right manager in. Get the structure in place. And tell the fans what's actually going to happen within the next five years. Give us a plan. Give us hope, as Russell says. But, guys, I think that's the end of that segment in terms of talking about the Celtic. We've done the the government stuff. So we're going to move on to the fun part of the show, which, unfortunately, usually my co-host, John, he's lost the last three quizzes in a row. That's why he's been relegated to (laughs) the the call today. So (laughs) what we're going to do, we're going to have a wee quiz. I forgot about this. (laughs) I genuinely so, thought that John was doing this today, and I thought that's in the bag. I don't even need to. <laughs> don't even need to show up. No, I've no. Uh, you'll be fine. On the go. No, you'll be fine, mate. You'll be fine. <laughs> Basically, it's just five questions. Whatever, first to three or first to five. Whoever gets it wins it. So the prize is again is nothing. It's just your pride. Okay, okay, Russell. I'm ready, mate. I'm cool no. with this, man. I mean, it's it's gonna. It could be painful, but you never know, man. Right. So first, a shout out. 
what what club did Paul Lambert leave to sign for Celtic? Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. Bang. One to Willem. And the hair and Bellaway, Russell, no Google. <laughs> no, 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 man. No, no, no. Who scored Celtic's first goal in European competition under Martin O'Neill? Bobby Pettin. Chris Sutton. No, both wrong. One more crack at it. Did you get? No. Thompson. No. Lubom Radswick. Oh, I would never have what, got that. What is the name of Celtic Stadium? Celtic, Celtic Park. Park. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't score anyone for that, mate. I who missed the penalty for Manchester United against Celtic in their Champions League game? Louis Saha. Louis Saha. Russell's in. One eight. Jesus. By the way, she just did. I had a bet on Nakamura to score a first goal one each that game. Really? When that penalty missed, I swear to God, I was I cheered the loudest in that whole place. I'm not joking you. And it was for about 300 quid. I didn't care. I just wanted to tick the win. Totally, mate. Love that. That's right. That's spot on, mate. What was the score after the 90 minutes in the EFA Cup final? 2-2. Oh, my God. I, I'm going to give that to William. I think he got there first, Russell. <laughs> oh, that's so going William, back now. If William gets this what, next one correct, he wins. So, who scored the winning goal against Manchester United that sent Celtic into the knockout stages of the Nakamura. modern Champions League? No. Oh, William good. gets it, Russell. Good, good, <laughs> mate. He deserved that. That R- was very Russell, good. <laughs> Russell's face steep in them history books to see if they can get up. <laughs> <laughs> also, as well, also as well, Russell, a big shout out to yourself. I know you. I know you wore your best club or your best Adidas tracksuit to come on, but at the I moment we're, we're we're only audio only, but we're going to be fencing into the video world side of things soon when we get up oh, and nice. running. Prop- right, so good yeah, for you. good for you, so, man. You've got a good setup going, man. Yeah, so you'll see the faces behind the the podcast, so to speak. But yeah, guys. That is the podcast all wrapped up. That's episode nine. We're actually growing really quick, both on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Spotify. Big shout out to John. He's the one who does the YouTube and Spotify side of things. And also, Russell, I hope you come on again in the future. It was fantastic to have you. We were, we're delighted to have you on. Have you enjoyed it? Oh, I've loved it, mate. I really appreciate it. It was a really good chat, man. I, no, no, I appreciate it, man. And I wish you all the best with the pod as well, because it is a good format you've got, man. You'll be cool. Yeah, man. Thanks very much again. And William to yourself for coming back on. No doubt you'll be on in the near future as well. So, guys, yeah, thanks again, William, for coming on. And in the meantime, everyone, when we speak again, which will be Tuesday. And also, before I go, keep an eye out on Sunday. We're going to release the, the David Webb interview. So that's going to be fantastic. It's a half an hour long. Just sit down, put the earphones in, relax. I mean, you get taught a lesson. It was an education for me and John. It's just fantastic. But, yeah, until, until Tuesday, until our next podcast, everyone, stay, stay safe and keep well. Heel, heel. <laughs>